what's going on people welcome to paint points as usual i'm your host jay painting this podcast is proudly brought to you by the sb nation podcast network and the canis hoopers family today we are going to do the thing that that all timbles podcasts and writing platforms have to do right now and that is talk about ben simmons I swore off talking about Ben Simmons until he would actually be traded to the Timberwolves, but yeah, it seems like there's been a bit of movement towards it becoming more of a reality and less of a dream. Uh, to do all of this Ben Simmons talk with me is Tyler Metcalf, uh, Kana Super's contributor, hashtag basketball draft expert, friend of the show. Tyler, what's going on, man? Uh, Jake, I'm good. I'm excited to be back with you and talk about this completely original topic that has <laughs> has barely been covered by by anyone. Um, it's I I, I, I kid, but uh, it, it it's exciting. It's complicated. It's frustrating. It's pretty much every emotion you can think of when it, it's t- it's tiring. That's for sure. Um, but it, it it's good to be back on and talking with you. Yeah, well, we're we're deep in the the doldrums of the off season, so there's not much else to talk about. And we do get this sprinkling of news that Simmons is has, I guess, demanded a trade or or as close to demanding it, demanded a trade as you can get without actually coming out and doing it. Uh, he doesn't want to go back to Philly. They need to trade him to kind of avoid, I guess, a, a messy situation or or just wade themselves into this messy situation. So I guess the first thing that we we should start with is what how much do you think it takes to get Simmons because that's that's the big question is it is can will they offer will they accept a not a low ball offer but something you know around Malik Beasley and and Jaden McDaniels and D'Angelo Russell or, or do they need that third team to to get in there and and find themselves a Lillard or or a Bradley Beal like how much how much do you think Philly will bend to to Minnesota's demands because Minnesota seemed to be the one team. I mean, every day we get new reports that that Golden State aren't in it anymore. You know, yeah. the asking price is too high for Sacramento. Gerson Rosa seems to be the the clingy ex girlfriend right now, and <laughs> he's he won't go away. Um, so yeah, what what do you think it takes to get them, and, and how high do you pr- think the price is? So I so right now I think the price is. Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or someone of mm-hmm. that ilk, that all NBA level player who will help them win a title right away. Um, every trade Daryl Morey has ever made, his he's always had to win it, you know, and it's always it's always getting that that one big piece and giving up a bunch of little pieces. So he's always the guy trading four quarters for a dollar, and. I, I don't see that mentality of that he's had his entire track record just all of a sudden completely changing overnight because the player is publicly unhappy now, or more publicly, however you want to word it. Um, three months from now, two months from now, a month from now, that might change drastically if Ben Simmons legitimately isn't showing up for camp or you know progressing down the Jimmy Butler in Minnesota path. Um, but barring something drastic, I don't see Damian Lillard becoming available. It sounds like all of his intentions are staying in Portland to start the season. Bradley Beal doesn't seem to ever want to leave Washington. Um, you know, who, who knows come trade deadline or whatever, but it, I, I would be absolutely stunned if Maury actually gets that, the price that we've heard him 
or that we've heard leaked out that he's requesting. And another thing is that always keeps coming up. It's like, oh, well, how many draft picks need to be thrown in? Daryl Morey doesn't give a damn about draft picks. He's never cared <laughs> about draft picks. All he's done is trade draft picks away. He wants the for sure thing. He wants the known commodity. He wants the known star and is more than happy to give up lottery tickets. So I, I don't think that, oh, well, we're going to throw in all of our first round picks. That's not going to change his mind on anything. One first round pick or four, I think he essentially views the same way unless it's something that he can immediately flip for another player. Yeah, that's the thing I think is that if they want if if draft picks are going to Philly, it's because they think they can use those draft picks to get the Bradley Beal or the Damian Lillard. And and that makes sense to me because yeah. like especially Washington, I, I don't think I don't know if Washington I guess Washington would take Ben Simmons, you know what I mean? But it's it's mm-hmm. a it's the kind of deal that they're at this weird like loggerheads moment of of leverage because like Simmons has four years left on his deal. Uh, in any scenario, that is a win for Philly. Like that, that gives them all the leverage. Yep. Uh, he's not gonna. He's not. He can't force his way out in the way that he's going to leave for free in twelve months or in six months. Like it's not Jimmy Butler's situation. It's not Anthony Davis. But on the other hand, they've destroyed his his value around the league by publicly throwing him under the bus. Yep. Uh, they've destroyed his value by kind of tarnishing that 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 relationship to the point where everyone knows that Ben Simmons isn't long for Philly. Like, he's not going to... Even if he comes back and plays all right for the first 15 games, like, they're still going to trade him. That puts Maury in a, in a really tough position, I think, as someone who, like you said, is is that wheeler and dealer and someone who can who can turn four quarters into a dollar. Like, it's a good way to put it. And I don't know. That's that's the weird bit for me is because I don't know who has the leverage here, and then and then you throw Rich Paul into the situation, who's just the master of creating leverage for his own clients, and I just do not know who holds the the leverage here. Like, do you have a a, a way that you're leaning in terms of leverage winners? I I, I still lean towards Philly because I like like you said, I they have him under contract for four more years um and i i i don't feel like ben simmons is is or is or has been the guy who's been super public facing and a guy who's really going to escalate things and make it really nasty but we've seen you know i i didn't necessarily think that anthony davis would it would get he would have a nasty exit and that that got really ugly really quickly too. Um, so, but that was also one or two years left on his deal, so it was a little more imminent on when he was leaving. So, I, I still think the Seventy Sixers hold all the cards, and they were the one seed in the East last season, and they and they should have moved on if Ben Simmons doesn't have a mental collapse. And but I mean he wasn't the only one either and Joel Joel Embiid faded in the second half of majority of those games and just the the talent they have their performance last season their performance and growth over the last couple seasons it it wouldn't shock me if they end up somehow getting to a place of hey let's just run it back for a month and if things are awful then we'll look to cater your needs a little more um 
so I, I and once once those paychecks stop coming in, um, you know that it, that it, it's hard to really continue a holdout and stuff like that when your bank account isn't going up again. So it, it, it I I could see it getting really ugly, um, but at the same time, it would kind of surprise me if it if it reached those levels. Yeah, I I don't want to absolve Ben Simmons of any you know wrongdoing in the playoffs because he was bad. It's not yeah. oh, a God, yes. hot take. It's not a, it's not a hot yes. take to kind of suggest that. But like that Philly team was bad, man. Like they collapsed yep. as a team as much as Ben Simmons collapsed as, collapsed as an individual. Uh, Embiid wasn't good as much as he was injured and had the meniscus problems and the whole team kind of just fell apart. And then even then, like if you look at the the lineups that Simmons played in in the playoffs, like. They, he played in two lineups that played over uh, you know hundred possessions for the for the playoffs. The first one was him, Curry, uh, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, plus thirty nine point six differential, like hundredth percentile in the playoffs. The other one was a plus eleven point nine, and that was with Korkmaz instead of uh, Danny Green. So like the team was good when he was on the floor. Yeah, they just couldn't get it done in the pivotal moments because stats on cleaning the glass don't tell you about, you know, those two, three possession moments in, in big games that really kind of destroy you. And Joel Embiid wasn't shy about, you know, explaining those those situations and those moments in post-game presses. And, yeah. and I think in hindsight, him and, and Doc Rivers probably would have went a little bit easier on, on Ben Simmons if they had known the kind of leverage problems it would create and, and issues it would create because... They were always going to trade him. I think they've they've looking, been looking to trade him for years now. Um, but when you publicly throw him publicly throw him under the bus, that really starts to get difficult to to hold that leverage. I think I, I'm still on, like you said, I'm with you that I think Philly still hold the cards. But I think that every as every day goes past, mm-hmm. they lose a little bit more leverage and they start need to start looking at at other deals. And I think that's what opposition teams are waiting for. Like I think Golden State and Sacramento will all be back in the race if the price is cut price. You know, if Buddy Heald and, and uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton or Buddy Heald and, and Davion Mitchell and a first, if that starts to become a deal that Philly are looking at, then they're back in the deal for sure. If, if Moses Moody and James Wiseman and a couple of firsts go back on the table, then Golden State are back in it. That's when it gets hard for Minnesota because they don't have the best deal out of all those three teams, I don't think. Like, I mean, no. we all love... Jade McDaniels, but I think that there's there's better blue chip prospects around that that could be traded for him. the The question, I guess, that is on everyone's lips is, do you think that Jade McDaniels is just an automatically an automatic inclusion in this deal? And I, I think he has to be. I think he's the most enticing, realistic piece to be moved. Um, I mean, every word or leak or rumor tweet whatever has basically said that cat is untouchable ant is untouchable and delo is essentially untouchable too so who else are you moving like okay yeah malik beasley he's an awesome shooter that contract works really well okay he's he's a good role player who's horrific at defense um Jane McDaniels is a young player who has shown legitimate two-way upside and is a really versatile defender and kind of fits in wherever you need him to on both ends of the floor. So long-term, I think he's 
he he would be like the only piece on Minnesota, realistic piece on Minnesota that I would want to go for if I'm Philly and I'm getting forced into this trade. Other than that, they, Minnesota doesn't really have a win now piece that would entice Philly to really pounce on a trade, and that's when these third team deal, there are these three team deals have to come into play. So, and even if it's you know, if if it is like a, if Bradley Beal ends up for some reason becoming available, and and I guess they could just do a straight up swap. But if Washington's looking to get more picks or pieces, then you know Minnesota could, or if they just don't want Simmons at all, you know Philly could get Beal, Minnesota gets Ben Simmons, and then Minnesota sends Beasley. McDaniel's and say Torian Prince to Washington along with some draft picks and you know something like that goes through and Washington gets a a really enticing young player in McDaniel's a handful of picks and expiring in Torian Prince and a movable contract in Beasley so I I just don't see how a straight up two-team deal between Minnesota and Philly gets done because Minnesota just doesn't have the pieces that will either help Philly win right now or that Daryl Morey has historically been interested in when it comes to his team building. It'd have to be a massive drop off for Morey to to accept a deal than any deal that Minnesota can throw at them. I yeah. mean, I, I'm fairly high, you know, relative to to other people on D'Angelo Russell, and even then, I don't think that that would be the best offer they could get, be it Russell, Beasley, and McDaniels. I think that's a lot. I, I do think that's a lot. Like, I think that yeah. when you look at deals for stars, you don't you don't win them. And that's the thing that I think the league is battling with, with Maury against is that the league knows you don't win deals. Like, if you, if you are giving up Ben Simmons, you're probably going to get back less than what he is. Uh, I can't think of a single star trade in the last five years or more. That the player that the team who traded the star gets better. Like maybe the Anthony Davis uh, deal was probably the, the closest you could get with with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. But even then, like they're not Anthony Davis. I'm sure they would take Anthony Davis back in a heartbeat if it meant giving up those guys. So uh, I just think that, like I said, every day that goes past, he loses leverage because that's not he's not going to get like he's not going to get Bradley Beal. I don't think for Ben Simmons. Like he would have to. Right. They would need Minnesota in that situation if Bradley Beal became available, like you said, to to facilitate it because like Ben Simmons' value is low around the league and and mm-hmm. not not as low as it is on Twitter, that's for sure. No, that's not. Um, but I think that that no team is going to gut their roster of all of their great assets for for Ben Simmons right now. Um, Jaden McDaniels is the one for Minnesota that I want to. I don't want to say that we as fans overrate. McDaniel's because I think he's really good, but I mm-hmm. think in terms of what the the perception of him around the league is, he doesn't have that kind of blue chip prospect right you know, and perception. I, he he had like one or two votes for an all rookie team. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the the rest and most of his big stuff or like big games and whatnot came later in the second half of the season or the final two-thirds of the season when everyone else is tuned out on Minnesota. So I get why he didn't have that many votes. But, I mean, guys like Saban Lee were getting more votes than him. So <laughs> I, the, I, I think Jaden McDaniels is a hell of a player, and I, I, I don't want him moved for, you know, just I enjoy watching him. I think he has a super high ceiling. But 
the rest of the league doesn't view him like Timberwolves fans do. And where, you know, thinking of Jaden McDaniels being a deal breaker for an all NBA level player and the second best or the best defender in the league, it's kind of wild to think about. The, the thing I come back and ask myself about when, you know, grappling with if Jaden McDaniels is worth getting Ben Simmons is will Jaden McDaniels ever be as good as Ben Simmons? And I know that they have different games and that, that Ben Simmons' flaw is obviously the ability to shoot, but like the odds that Jaden McDaniels is ever as an imp- as impactful as Ben Simmons are pretty low, man. Like, yeah, yes. And that's, and that's not... I don't think selling McDaniel short because I think he can be a really good player. But like Ben Simmons has been a three-time All-Star, like All NBA guy, All Defense guy. Like you said, a very good argument to be the best defender in the league, and a very good fit with Minnesota. Like it's different. It would be different if giving up Jaden McDaniel's and getting Ben Simmons made less sense in terms of roster construction. But like it makes so much sense. There's no mm-hmm. there, there. I there isn't a team that Ben Simmons fits better than Minnesota, I don't think. Um, and that's that's why I just think, like, if Jay McDaniels is a deal-breaker, I'm sad to see him go because I really like him. I'm yep. sure he will get to Philly and get all the recognition that he didn't get in Minnesota. Uh, but I, I don't think I'd have any problems with giving up McDaniels. Um, to your point, I think that maybe this dragging on a little bit longer might play to Minnesota's advantage if the season starts and McDaniels comes back as a better player, I mean, if McDaniels is shooting 40% from three, you know, a little bit stronger, a little bit better with the ball in his hands, still a really good defender. If you get that for 10 games to start the season, maybe that, that helps Philly kind of convince themselves that he's the guy that, that they want to build the package around, I guess. And then you throw in Malik Beasley, who would be an awesome fit in Philly. Like actually mm-hmm. Beasley yeah. would be really good on Philly's with Philly's roster. But like you said, like, they're flawed, man, and Maury's reaching for the stars right now. So, oh, give me a give me a percentage before we move on to I guess how Ben Simmons fits with the team because this this episode will be all Ben Simmons talk because there is nothing else to talk about <laughs> right now. Um, how how likely do you think it is that that Simmons lands in Minnesota? Uh, uh, sorry, the long pause is great for podcasting. Yeah, well, uh, I, yeah, I sprung this one on. I sprung this one uh, on you. I'll, I'll say like twenty percent. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I, I think I, that's I, fair. Well under fifty for sure. Yes, yes, and and the the I I, I even tend to lean lower just because it, it's it's so unlikely that they just do a straight up trade. And I, I know Rosas is known for putting together these convoluted trades with multiple teams, and they're far smarter when it comes to that than I am, but just looking at just straight up trades, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley for Ben Simmons, that works. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jaden McDaniels for Ben Simmons, that works. Philly's not doing that. Why would they do that? D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels from a pure talent standpoint, that would be most enticing for the 76ers, but that trade doesn't work. Philly's bringing in a little over five million too much in cap, so they can't even do that. So, for Philly to get back what they want, or even a semblance of what they want, and there there has to be a third team. And until 
Damian Lillard flat out says, I want out. Or Bradley Beal says, move me. I, you know, I love my time. See ya. Until one of those things happens, I just don't see it happening for Minnesota. And another thing that I think is really interesting and hurts Philly in this aspect where Golden State and Sacramento and Minnesota have all been linked to wanting Ben Simmons. I think all three of those teams are kind of happy and really intrigued with their current roster and what it could be where Golden State and Minnesota, they have the excuse of we've had these injuries. We don't know what we have. We want to see what we have. We think we have some really cool pieces that could be awesome together. So do we want to bring in Ben Simmons? Yes, absolutely. But not at the expense of shipping everything out. Like none of these teams seem to be in a place of having to make a panic move. So yeah, nobody, nobody in the league, I don't think, is desperate right now for Ben Simmons to the point where they're going yeah. to just like completely tear down everything to get him. Um, if there's one guy I think is who's happy to let a situation get really messy, it is Maury because yeah. he just seems so stubborn in his belief that this this is an opportunity to get better rather than a, a dire situation where a star wants out of his team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long. I think the, the the variable with that is how much is Doc Rivers happy to let this situation get messy? How much is Joel Embiid happy to let this situation get messy and to flush 20, 30, 40 games of his prime down the toilet with Simmons when when they know that doesn't work? And, they, and I guess they'll still be good in the regular season. They always are. But like... The relationship just seems so fractured. And like, if there's one guy, like like I said, Maury's happy for it to get messy. If there's one guy I don't want a messy situation in my locker room with, it's Joel Embiid because like he's airing his thoughts on Twitter. He's, yeah. he, you know, got no filter in press conferences. Uh, I like that from Embiid, but I think that in a messy situation, that could get really awkward really quick and, and really publicly as well. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's unlikely I think that that's a really good point that you make that no team's desperate to get him as much as, you know, even the teams that really want him. And I think Minnesota want him the most. Yeah. I still don't think that they are unhappy with what they have. Um, yeah. It's, it's a strange situation. It's, I think that I do think Minnesota would be the favorites right now, but I think yeah, that is a, still a, a pretty long odd favorite, if that makes sense. Um, Let's go to a break quickly, and then we'll talk about how Ben Simmons, if he was to be traded in a hypothetical, would actually fit with the roster. Hey guys, it's Jake here. Before we get into the sponsored ads, I'd just like to remind you that all my writing and video content is now available in newsletter form, and that I'd love for you to to subscribe. Uh, Every week, there'll be three issues sent out directly to your email inbox or available on the website. On Wednesdays, there is straight sets, which goes into the specific certain play calls from Chris Finch. That'll be accompanied by video breakdowns, diagrams, written words. On Friday, there is a deep dive, like this week's about the way Patrick Beverly defends against screens and how it will help the Timberwolves. And on Sunday, there is a week in review, which is a quick glance over the best and worst parts of the week and... That's where the game the game recaps and all of that stuff will be as well when the season starts. I love that you listen to the show, and I'd love to have you on board as a subscriber to the newsletter. If that sounds appealing, head over to howlsandgrowls.substack.com. That's howlsandgrowls.substack.com. Or just check out the link in the show notes, and you can find it there. Thanks, guys. 
Alright, we are back. Uh, we've discussed the price and the the leverage battle that, ha- that is happening right now around the league. Let's just say Minnesota got Ben Simmons, and I think that we could probably assume that, you know, Beasley and, and McDaniels are gone, maybe Russell, but, like, what... What does Ben Simmons? What needs to be on this roster, and what do you need to do as a as a coach and and as a GM to build a roster that maximizes Ben Simmons and and minimizes the really obvious flaws that he has? Uh so I mean, you, you have to have a space in five. Who's and I I don't think there is a better fit at center in the league for Simmons to play next to than Cat because I mean Cat's. An incredible passer, so when Simmons does cut or roll, and you could run some weird inverted pick and rolls with Simmons as a screener or as a roll man, and you know really open up the paint that way. Uh, defenses would really have to respect Cat um, on the pick and pop way more than they do on Bead. Um, for some reason, team or defenders still lunge at Embiid's slow ass pump fake and um but with cat that that lane would be even more open for Simmons to attack in and when when he I I know Simmons isn't a shooter he's you know not not a big time scorer but when he is in that those isolation situations I believe he was in the like 70th percentile in points per possession cuz he is a freak athlete and when he gets downhill he is so impossible to stop. And if he's able to do that with an open paint and defenders at weak side and help defenders have to collapse on him, he has the size, he has the passing vision and accuracy where he can, can then hit those open shooters. So if Minnesota moves off Beasley, you know, that, that takes away a pretty big shooting piece from them, but they still have cat. They'd still have Ant. they'd probably still have Russell who's excellent shooting off the catch. So, just from like an offensive perspective, just having that completely open floor with intelligent passers, good shooters, um, good athletes all over the place. I, I, I think he would thrive and really add just a really unique option to their offense. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's, it's weird with Simmons because I think for him to thrive offensively, you need to really play him in a different way that, than Philly did. I don't think he's yeah. a point guard. Um, I don't if I, if he played for Minnesota, I don't want to see him as a point guard. I think that just creates the same problems that he had in Philly. I think he's a four. He's a like a point forward. I want to see him grab rebounds and push in transition. He's ridiculous in transition. Like there's not many players outside of maybe LeBron and Giannis that can turn like a a broken floor situation into a full-blown fast break, beat the entire defense down the floor and and score or or make a pass to a three-point shooter. Uh, I think he's, yeah, top three, top five at that in the league. I want to see that all the time, as much as possible. And Minnesota, that's what they want to do. You know, they want to play fast. They want to let Cat get the ball and, and dribble down the court and, and, and initiate the offense a little bit. They want, they even let Vanderbilt do that at times towards the end of the season. Um but I don't want to see him run and pick and roll, really. Like, I don't want to sure. see him. I want to see him run and pick and roll as a screener, like you said. Um, and I don't know if that's something that Philly didn't want him to do, or he was kind of a little bit too stubborn himself to to embrace that role as someone who's not a lead guard. Because I think he 
I think he prides himself on being that six foot ten lead guard because that's such a yeah. intriguing and kind of unique position and, and player to be. But I, I just think if you can get him in a dunker spot as often as possible, if you get him as a role man and as a short role passer, like that's where you can really kind of unlock him offensively. And, and that's the, the good thing about Minnesota. And if he was in Minnesota, is that you don't. You're not relying on him like you were in Philly to be a guy who scores 15 plus a night for you to be really good. And, and along with the assists and along with the defense, I, I think that you can almost, and I don't know how happy Ben Simmons would be about this, but I think that you can pretty much just minimize him offensively. Like if he scores eight points a night, but he gives you six, seven assists and best defender in the league kind of kind of stuff, like that's going to seem disappointing, I think, if you're paying him... 150 million you know 150 million for his total contract but like I think the team would be so much better and I think that he would be so impactful if he was kind of like this Draymond Green light kind of dude like is that is that going too far in the wrong in the other direction no I I don't think so and like when you mentioned that stat line I don't think that's a major deviation from a lot of the games that he has where I mean, it's yeah. not super uncommon that he has eight nine and nine in a night where it's almost barely reaching that triple double on a nightly basis kind of like draymond green does and you know i i draymond green can't shoot golden state's figured out how to use him pretty damn effectively in their offense because of how intelligent he is and how if creatively they use him passing out of that short role and using Simmons in that similar style where you can get him in a little bit of space, attacking downhill and then using his size athleticism to either attack the rim or find the cutter or kick out to shooters that, that opens up so many more things and really, I think maximizes a lot of what he's best at because if he, when he is getting the ball on that short role, you know, he's already inside the, the free throw line or, within a step of it. He's not having to create his own thing against a defender who's just sagging off and waiting to absorb contact from him. So he has that ability to be that initiator, but I, I like you said, I don't think that's who he is or who he should be, and it should be more used as that secondary creator out of the short role or you know, attacking weak side rotations and stuff like that. Yeah, that's 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 where I envision him doing the most damage and minimizing most of his flaws. And then you can just kind of, if you, as much as you can get him in the like, if you play him when he's not in the short role or he's not as a pick and roll role man, if you play him like you played Vanderbilt, which I know is just like such a different level of talent, mm-hmm. but like if you just sit him in the dunker spot, like there's so much gravity and so much creation when you have Towns, Russell, and Edwards, like those guys will find Ben Simmons good shots. And if they don't, that means that they're shooting themselves. And I think that everyone would rather them guys be taking shots than Simmons. And conversely, Simmons will find them shots. And that's the most important thing is that, like, this is a team built to withstand a player like Simmons who can who can't shoot, doesn't have any, any shot gravity or any spacing, really, but can do so much from inside the arc. And if he gets two feet in the paint, can just do so much for other players and for himself as well. And I just think... That's why, to me, that's why you want to do as much as you can to keep D'Angelo Russell because I think that Ben Simmons is obviously a much better player than D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that's a debate. Uh, 
I would rather, if it, in a vacuum, I'd rather have Ben Simmons yeah, on yeah. the Timberwolves. You know, if it came down to Russell was the sticking point, then I would happily give up D'Angelo Russell. But, like, I think if you if you give up Russell, you, you're banking a lot on Edwards becoming that shot creator for himself and, and creator for others as well that Philly never had. Um, Jimmy Butler was the closest they had, and obviously Jimmy's awesome, but Jimmy couldn't shoot from three. Like, Jimmy pretty much stopped. That was around the time when he just stopped shooting threes entirely. Right. Um, you need a guy who can shoot threes, who can drag, who, you know, he can run really high pick and roll um, with Simmons as a screener and where guys have to actually respect that three and, and hedge out to him or blitz him. And and then you need a guy who can make pick and roll passes and who can, who can make plays for Simmons as well. That's what scares me if you give up Russell because you lose that yes. guy, you're putting all of that uh, responsibility onto Edwards. And I think Edwards in time can do it. Um, just finishing my rewatch of all the, the, the Timberwolves games, you know, post All-Star break and after Finch got, got hired, like... I was surprised with how much better of a passer Anthony Edwards was than I kind of thought he was just in, from memory. Um, he makes some really awesome reads going downhill, but yeah, he's not a pick and roll kind of manipulator in the way in the part in terms of passing the way that that D'Angelo Russell can be. Uh, and I think you need that with Simmons because I think that's what unlocks him is if you can get him to buy into the fact that if you become a screener and not a lead ball handler, like we have this guy who can get you the ball in good spots and you can still be as effective. And if you're playing well, you can still score 15 a night. That's that's the sell. Because I think, look, without knowing him and I guess painting painting him with a generalized brush, I think Ben Simmons is a little bit of a... Not a prima donna, that's a harsh way to put it. But, you know, like I think he, yeah, I think no, he, I wants, he wants what he wants and he wants to, to have this reputation around the league as a guy who... Who does all these things at six foot ten? And I think it's a tough sell to say, like, look, we're just going to play you as a big, pretty much, like as a as a non-scoring big, and just get you to run, pick, and roll, initiate dribble handoffs. Like, but if you have players who can who can do that alongside him, and then still enhance his game and still make him look good, like that's how you get him to buy into that. And if you get him and he buys into that, like the team is so good, man. Yeah, so I mean, from I mean, from his standpoint, growing up, I mean, he was dubbed the second coming of LeBron as this huge. It's your it's your power forward, but he's going to be your point guard, and he was supposed to take the league by storm. And you know, he had a really bad playoffs, and now everyone's calling him trash, even though all of his numbers, you know, it's that this dude's a top twenty guy in the league easily, and. You know, he he wants to be respected. He wants that. And what we've kept saying here is that we love him out of the short role. We love him as a screener, cutting, doing more off-ball stuff, and not being that lead initiator. If you move the the value of Russell is that the, the Timberwolves are – no, he's our point guard. That That's our initiator. That's who it is. If you have to move Russell to bring in Simmons, Ben Simmons isn't going to look at McLaughlin or – mckinley wright or patrick beverly and be like this dude's starting a point guard over me like you are out of your damn mind like i what are what are we doing and then you immediately lose him so i i think that that point you made about having russell be that lead initiator and someone that 
Simmons allegedly respects and gets along with and has a good relationship with, I, I, I think would be huge and make that transition into him being that short role creator like a Draymond Green so much easier. Yeah, like you look at the numbers, like he ran, and, and this is in plays that finish with a, a field goal attempt. So obviously that's a fraction of what Ben Simmons does on, on the tour. But like he ran 149 like pick and roll plays as the ball handler, 23 as the roll man. Yeah. Um, like that needs to flip or at least split the difference. You know, like you, like if he was in Minnesota, he just cannot. Like, you cannot just keep running it back with Ben Simmons doing the same things that he's always done. And if you did, I mean, this team's a lot better still because, like, Philly were really good through the regular season and, and through the first round of the playoffs with Ben Simmons being that guy. And you look at the lineup the lineup combinations that Philly had and, like, they never played him as the four. They never played him with the point guard. They, they barely even had one to play him with. Like, maybe Shake Milton occasionally. Like, even when Tyrese Maxey played, like... Simmons was the lead ball handle and Maxi kind of played off the ball, but even then they didn't play many minutes together. So, yeah, like it's a, t- I think it's a tough sell to to say like you know you've just been traded publicly embarrassed, and now we need you to to really take a step back usage wise. But I think it is the thing that could really kind of um, up his reputation in the long run because if you get Minnesota to the second round of the playoffs. Like people notice that because Minnesota stink. Like yeah. you, like he, like I, if Minnesota, if he came and switching over to the defensive side of the ball, like if he came in Minnesota with tenth in defensive rating, which I still don't believe they would be, but like like he would win Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. I'm certain of it because yes. that's the kind of thing that like really gets noticed is if you come to a bad team and all of a sudden they are way better and they're way better in the area that you're best at. Like that's the kind of stuff that can that can uh repair your your reputation and i just wonder i just wonder and i hope i guess in, if he did come to minnesota whether he would be able to buy fully into that yeah and so the the most enticing part about simmons obviously is the defensive end of the floor and i i, I completely agree with you that that the defensive player of the year award would be his pretty much it as long as minnesota are, like you said tennis around there if they're a good defense he's winning it and I, I i thought towns made strides as a defender this last season uh where they stopped exclusively having him do drop coverage and i think we have too much of a sample size at this point that tells us that he can't play that and he's actually better when he does step out on guys a little bit and simmons just makes life so much easier for everyone defensively and when when Ant completely falls asleep and gets beat on the back door, Simmons is there rotating and deterring the guy at the rim. He's picking up the best ball handler or the biggest scoring threat so Russell can go hide on their least scoring threat or worst shooter in the corner. And Towns has some legitimate athletic big um, rim protection helping him from the weak side it's every flaw that that main core has defensively and there are a lot of them ben simmons covers up each and every one of them and he's so athletic and so intelligent on that end and cares a lot about his defense and it it, it would be i just so much and his fit is incredibly perfect 
for for yeah. that team. Yeah, it's like you said. It it not only does it allow you to to step away from that drop coverage, but uh, I think it also allows it if you are still not rigid, but if that's still something you want to mix into your game. I don't think Towns is the right big guy for for drop coverage. But if you still if they think that he is. Ben Simmons at least makes that semi-possible because he yeah. can fight over a screen. Like, he at least gives Towns some time to to react and to drop and to only have to guard the roll man uh, rather than having to deal with the ball handler and the roll man every single defensive possession because D'Angelo Russell got flatlined by a screen. Like, it's... And then you... Yeah, then you think if, you know, if they, if they want to get him hedging on the screens, get him up at, at the level of the screen, like he doesn't have to get up there and let the roll man get in behind him because he just has a show for a second and let Ben Simmons catch up to the play. Mm-hmm. And then he can drop back in. Like that's, it's such a massive, and I, I, I think people underrate, I mean, maybe they don't because he came second defensive player of the year, but like, I think people underestimate how much he made a difference to, to Joel Embiid's defense. Cause if Embiid had to do the kind of stuff that Towns has had to do for the last five, six, seven years, where it's, get like you know try and stop the ball handler then get back to the roll man every single time down the floor like he would have more trouble not more trouble than towns that's for sure but like he he just naturally would not look as good defensively like it's so easy or so much easier to look competent defensively when you have ben simmons at the point of attack Mm -hmm. and like that that will make a huge difference to this team that like to me, that is worth all of the potential offensive problems, all of the the roster problems by losing McDaniel's and Beasley or Russell. Like all of that, in the end, gets trumped by the fact that Ben Simmons is the best defender in the league, like and the most versatile. And this is the worst. This is a team that's sucked on defense for decades. Like it's at the end of the day, it's simple. Like it's a simplistic way to look at it, but it really does boil down to that. And I think that that point you made about how he's able to navigate or at least fight over through screens is so important because Towns has mostly played drop coverage for his career, and he's never played with a point of attack defender who is good at navigating the screen. I know Beasley can't do it. Ant can't do it. Russell can't do it. They all die on the screen or don't even see it or hit it and just, all right, well, my job's over. And then Towns is dropping back, and it's a 2v1 every single time. And it's impossible for him to look good in those situations. But when you have a 6'10 guy, it makes recovering and getting downhill and getting back in between the ball and the rim, that makes it actually possible. And then even when Simmons gets switched out and is now guarding the weak side instead of the ball and Cat and D'Lo get put into a pick-and-roll, Cat's able to step to it while Simmons rotates from the weak side and is able to have the length and athleticism to cover the lane and tag the roller while also being able to recover to the shooter in the corner or something like that. It just it, it makes the defensive coverages for Cat more simple and and for every for everyone because consistent. if it makes it simple for everyone because if Ant has to tag rollers less because. Cat doesn't have to be out there guarding two, and Simmons, you know, Cat's basically tagging the roller himself yeah. because he's able to stay on it. Like Ant has to make less decisions defensively, which means he just needs to stay on his man in the corner. Or D'Angelo just Russell ball has hawk to make like he did in the second yeah. half, and he was 
pretty good at. I mean, he got burned a lot, but that just go be that defensive playmaker. That's when we saw Ant play his best defense. Yeah, when those guys are tasked less with covering up other guys' problems and more just focusing on what they have to do and what they're being told to do, like, inevitably, they're just going to be better defensively. You know, Ant will just be more solid defensively just because he has to do less. And that's what you want is for Edwards to do less. You want Russell to do less. Like, that doesn't mean they're not going to be... They're going to be good defenders overnight. But, like, yeah, if they don't have to... If Anthony Edwards doesn't have to worry about covering... D'Angelo Russell's point of attack mistakes from the weak side and, and tagging a roller and then getting back out to the corner. That's good. That's like that's a good thing. If if he has to do less, the team is going to do more defensively and, and all of that begins with the point of attack. It, it always has on this team been the, the bugaboo for them and as much as it, it helps Towns the most out of anyone, I think it, it just like that spreads like wildfire throughout the the team. Just having that that solid presence at the point of attack and having a guy who can who can make everyone feel a little bit more calm and maybe a little bit less stressed and scrambled in, in defensive possessions because you know at least that Ben Simmons is gonna pick up his man and gonna stay on him. Yeah, when when you just know you have that rock, it allows you to configure your defense in a little different ways where everyone can kind of play to their strength and not try and do more than they're physically or mentally capable of because we, we've seen Timberwolves players have to do that and ask to play roles that they just are not fitted for for so long. And it's, as we've seen, been disastrous. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come up with a couple of take-it-or-leave-it questions. I don't have any written down, so okay. just, just to finish off this thing, I'm just going to wing it here. Uh, ben Simmons plays the first 15 games of the season for Philadelphia. Leave it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna leave it as well. I think I think he gets traded before the season, and you know what? I'll throw it in here. Take it or leave it. Philadelphia, 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 <laughs> don't get a star player in return, like a Lillard, Beal, you know, one of those guys. Uh, so like an All NBA level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, take it. Yeah, I'm going to take it because I think that he gets traded before the season for a package that's not Daryl Morey um, standard you know, procedure. But I think that I think that Philly will get better. I, I, does Philly get better when they trade Ben Simmons? Take it or leave it. Take it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they get better. You know, addition by sub- by subtraction, yeah. just in the fact that the the roster fits a little bit better. Yeah. If Minnesota got. Ben Simmons for the, you know, if Minnesota got Ben Simmons and kept D'Anzo Russell, they win 55 games. Oh, uh, sorry, say that again. So get Simmons, get rid of Russell? No, get Simmons, keep Russell. Oh, uh, yeah, take it. I'm going to leave it. I think that they leave, I thought they'd win maybe like 50. I I don't know. I just can't bring yeah. myself to ever have confidence in this team. Okay, okay, yeah, I agree. 55 so, is a lot 55 of wins. Like 55 is like a one, like a one seed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna pivot. Yeah. I, I got. I got all hot and bothered with what, what we were just talking about fit wise. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm gonna come back to reality a little bit. Take a deep breath. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to leave it. But I, I think they're they'd be fighting for that kind of four or five seed range. Yeah. Well, that's what I'll, that was my next one. Like. Ben Simmons comes to Minnesota and they keep D'Angelo Russell. Are they a top four seed? Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it because I think top 
their peak would be four. Um, but I think that four, five, six range, barring health and all the Minnesota nonsense that always seems to happen, <laughs> uh, I, I think they'd have the talent and the coaching yeah. and structure to to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna leave it. I think they'd be like a fifth or sixth seed as well. I think they'd be like in that like Dallas kind yeah. of range. Um, last one. Ben Simmons wins Defensive Player of the Year next season. I'm going to leave it. I want to. I'm going to, ta- I'm going to take it only because I just don't think the voters give Rudy four in a row. And I don't know who gets it. Giannis maybe. So, oh, well, not four in a row, but four, you know, in the space of five years or whatever it is for Rudy. Yeah, like. so I mean, if if the Warriors are back towards home court advantage and right. really good defense, I could see voters being like, oh, look at Draymond Green. You guys all forgot about him. You're so dumb. Um, and then giving it to him. Um, yeah, and it, I think it'd be really those three. I, I think the Rudy Gobert voter fatigue is going to be very real. Um, yeah, just because I mean, he's had similar playoff issues as Ben Simmons, not quite as glaring, but similar where he becomes unplayable when Terrence Mann is knocking down mm-hmm. seven threes in a game. So. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, I'll throw another random one at you, not a take it or leave it, but like who wins the awards next season? It's a bit early for awards, but like who would you say is the MVP oh, defensive player of the year? We'll leave out sixth man because I hate projecting sixth man because I don't even know who's <laughs> going to start. Like, what, rookie of the year, which is your domain, yeah. And uh, what's what am I missing here? Most improved. Okay. Um. All right. So rookie, I'll go Jalen Green, just because I think he's gonna have just yep. obscene volume and scoring, and he's he's gonna be a one man show down there in Houston. I think. Um, they they're just gonna give him the keys to the car and just tell him to go. Uh, I, I think Cade will still be the better player long term and all that, but I think Cade's game is more suited towards producing, plays for others, really. producing winning basketball and creating yeah. for others and all that kind of more team centric stuff. Um, defensive player of the year, I'll go Draymond Green. MVP, I will go. I'm gonna go Steph. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think if he's able to pull. Golden State back to that home court advantage realm. There would be a lot of voters who still carry over from last year and just the obscene performances he put on last year. Um, I, I think Luca would have to get top three to get it, and I just I, mm-hmm. I don't see him see Dallas being good enough for him to get it. Um, most improved. Oh God, uh, that's a bit like six man. It's it's hard to know roles right, and stuff. Right. Um, so I I always hate the second year guy who gets it because. They yeah. grew up and got better because yeah. they've been in the NBA longer. Um, I'm going to go Darius Garland. Um, I thought he had a really That's promising a one, yeah. season last year. And it'll be it. I have no idea what that Cleveland team is doing. I hated that Laurie Markman <laughs> trade. Um, but yeah. I, I think Garland has made some really, really interesting strides and is kind of making Cleveland think about what the long-term pairing between him and Sexton is. Yeah, I like those. Uh I'm going to agree with you on Jalen Green for the same points that you said. I think that at the end of the day, unless Cade has kind of like a Lomelo-esque 
uh, season, which I think he could, but I think most years they lean towards just the guy who scores the it, most. A, a, and, every, every year besides Lamelo's has been who has the yeah. numbers, and and, and la- that was because when now oh look, winning matters now. So. Yeah, and Lamelo <laughs> was Lamelo. Lamelo <laughs> so, deserved it. I, I'm not yeah. going down that. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, he didn't. No, nah, he didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, um, what else? So MVP, I think Giannis. I think voter okay. fatigue is gone now with Giannis. Uh, I think that's one of the only reasons he wasn't right up there last season. I think yep. that um, you know he probably wouldn't have won it over Jokic anyway last season, but I think that he shifted the narrative back towards his favor with the championship and with just those ridiculous performances in the finals. So I think he wins it over Steph. Steph would be my second my second preference. I think that's a good pick as well. Uh, most improved, I'm going to go Michael Porter Jr. Okay. I think without Jamal Murray, at least he oh, gets like the first half of the season. I think he averages twenty plus. Yeah, because he'll be their second option, and he's a freak of nature, man. Like he is a ridiculously good player. Um, and defensive player of the year, I will go with Simmons. I think. Oh, I don't know, because, like, <laughs> I think he'll be the best defender, but, like, will all of this, if he's with Philly for 15, 20 games, like, right. the whole situation might get messy. He might not even try on defense for 20 games. Like, he might go full James Harden at the, you know, or Jimmy Butler. Where Jim, like, I, I will maintain that Jimmy Butler was missing free throws late in games on purpose for Minnesota <laughs> in then 10 games or whatever that he played. I'm that petty that I remember that Sacramento <laughs> game. I'll never forget it. Um yeah, so I'm going to go... Yeah, I'll go Simmons with the caveat that if he is with Philly for half the season, then I'm going to go with Giannis as well. Okay. I think Giannis could do the double again. If he does, well, that'd be crazy. But That's I went completely <laughs> off topic because I just... <laughs> things are coming to my mind. I was like, I just need to get your opinion on why this. Not? So um, we'll leave it at that. Thanks for coming on as usual. Um, hopefully anything that we said today kind of is relative in two weeks, you know, when, when Ben Simmons gets traded to Minnesota or it's, and um, it's not relative when, when he goes to Sacramento or something. So, um, do you have anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, I know I will have some kind of preseason future looking stuff. Um, over on Canis Hoopers coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, working on a current thing with Anthony Edwards and like kind of the evolution of his at room finishing, um, between, pre all-star break and post all-star break last season so hope, hoping to get that out and sometime this week um but yeah that, that's about it it's where we're in the slog of the off season <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's it's hard to come up with content so you can find that over at tainer supers um you can find my work at the on the newsletter at housinggrails.substack.com and i will see all of you guys next week tyler thanks for coming on man thank you